Are you currently locked out of your house? Well, Gnarly Nutrition can't help you with that. But they can help you get the most out of your athletic endeavors by providing you with high-quality and tasty sports nutrition products. As someone who likes to do a lot of moving, having Gnarly Supplements to back me up is a pretty huge deal. When I'm eight days on and I'm trying to train for climbing after ski touring, Gnarly products like their pre-workout and creatine give me a little extra boost to keep me doing a reckless amount of physical activity. Gnarly is a proud sponsor of the Average Climber podcast. You can check out the wide range of Gnarly products over at gonarly.com. On today's episode, Caitlin and I are about to educate you out of our own jobs. That's right. We're teaching you how to coach yourselves. So get ready, take some notes, and get excited to learn to be your own best coach. You're listening to the Average Climber Podcast. All right. I'm a little I'm a little early for Christmas here, oh but I have a Christmas related story coming for you out of Leavenworth, Washington last oh. December. And this one, you know, y'all, we're mostly talking about rock climbing here, but I do I do have a platform for talking about things I think are stupid now and I will <laughs> leverage it sometimes. So, you are along so, for the ride. So, we're like going All right. So, in December 2021, uh Leavenworth has a, like a Christmas festival. Oh, yes, they do. Yes. So I have never been to Leavenworth, but I'm told it's extremely it's cute. It's the cutest place on earth. Yes. So anyways, the 2021 festival, um, some actors dressed as uh, different forms of Krampus come no. to Leavenworth. Yes. No. So, I mean, like their costumes are very fun. They definitely are kind of scary looking. Um, if anyone doesn't know what Krampus is, it's kind of like this sort of demon Santa Claus situation. That kills you if you're naughty. Yeah, it's like it's like there's Santa Claus and then there's like evil Santa Claus where, yeah, it's like a very scary uh, children's fairy tale. And I, I believe it is German. a German origin. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So anyways, there's like these Krampus actors that come up for Leavenworth. And the Christian groups in the area are incensed by this. And their verbiage and their complaints were that they were bringing pagan traditions to a Christmas festival. Hmm. I find this to be horribly ironic because if you quickly Google the origins of Christmas, um, a lot of our traditional Christmas Christmas traditions, trees, Christmas trees, pagan, wreaths, pagan, caroling, pagan, gift giving, pagan, kissing under the mistletoe, pagan, Pagan. probably candy canes too. Probably not. But you know, like, I don't know. Anyways, Caitlin, what do you have to say? I think it's stupid. I just think that in a town that is oriented around Christmas, you welcome this heritage trend yeah. into the midst of your... How many Christmas trees do you think there are in Leavenworth? Um, Based a on lot. what I just saw, many. Yeah. It's Absolutely a Christmas, many. It, it's a Christmassy looking town, right? Like it even is a normal... fully Christmas year round. Yeah, exactly. They have a nutcracker museum that is absolutely 
They have a Nutcracker Museum. Okay, you're the first person I've said this to who seems moderately interested in going with me because every time I bring it up, people are like, Caitlin's fucking weird. Wait, I bet there's like tall ones and little they, ones. There are all, and all different and colors. They, they have them from like 400 years ago. What? And I was like, wait, 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 wait. 400 year old nutcrackers i'm ready to go into that museum well literally i've told so many people to go to the nutcracker museum and they're like Haha, yeah is it okay. all like actually little nutcrackers or some of them just like and in 8000 bc they just used a hammer to open the nuts up like no no it, they're literally <laughs> all nutcrackers there are some real creepy ones there are some normal okay so this isn't, this isn't like a history of how we've gotten like the edible parts of nuts out of the shell no it's purely nutcracker joy and people like me who wanted to this was like on my top three things to do in leavenworth and Mm. didn't get to go so as a as a side note if there's anyone out there looking for a museum idea i do think a history of how we cracked nuts open is a good (laughs) museum idea how do you crack those nuts (laughs) yep Wow, and we haven't giggled about any innuendo since we started talking about this. So <laughs> high five across the room, Caitlin. <laughs> Pretty good. All right. And with that, welcome to another episode of the Average Climber Podcast. Where you learn useful and useless shit. We, you will learn mostly useful stuff and also things you never needed to know about. Um, and today on the more useful side of what we will be <laughs> discussing, um, we are going to be talking about how to coach ourselves better. Before we get into that, allow us to introduce ourselves. I am Lauren Abernathy. I am a certified personal trainer and climbing coach, and I run my company, Good Spray Climbing. And I'm here with my lovely co-host. I'm Caitlin. I am a certified nutrition specialist, and I work with climbers and athletes to improve their nutrition. And also my just you know company of company <laughs> me, myself of me, and i named after me <laughs> solopreneurs <laughs> yes so here we are and today so yeah you might be wondering like that's pretty weird that they're gonna teach us how to coach ourselves when their whole job <laughs> is coaching us <laughs> but we both recognize as professionals that like we're not gonna be there with you all the time we're not we're not in your pocket we're not your parrot on your shoulder you know, you got to be by yourself sometimes. You won't always be working with a coach or a nutritionist. And we think it's really important for our athletes to have tools they can use to coach themselves and do that. Um, so this episode, we're going to break it up into two, two pieces. So first, we're going to talk about how to kind of give ourselves a nutrition check-in, that side of things. Going to hear from Caitlin a bunch. And then in the latter half of the episode, I will give you all the skinny on some some tips I have for you if you're looking to coach yourself as a climber. So with that, Caitlin, I have a lot of questions for you, if I'm being honest. So I mean, likewise, pretty much ready. I'm like, I'm just here to listen to what you have to say Sweet. and vice okay, versa. So we'll just so. stare at <laughs> each other for 45 minutes. Great. Great. <laughs> Good. We won't actually talk. Excellent. The longest staring contest in podcast history. Doing it today. I will lose because my contacts wow, are drier oh, than Oh, yeah. Dry. That's right. Wow. Unrelated note. I put on my Unfair other half's glasses yesterday. My God. I didn't realize like how bad his vision was. And he was like, my vision's not that bad. And he's like, I have a minus three and my eyes aren't that bad. So I don't know if that's bad. But apparently people no. have even more than that. And minus three isn't bad. I and I was like, this more. is like a blurry disaster. So... Wow. Eat your, eat your carrots. 
<laughs> so you have good eyes. That's I don't think how Go it works. Go to the eye doctor. Don't listen and to get me. That shit I'm not the nutritionist. Now. This was a test. All right. <laughs> now, Caitlin. So my first question is like, what is it? Because it seems like in my own nutrition struggles, I kind of will. You know, it's like it's a gradual build where it's like first round of focusing on nutrition, I'll like build up a couple skills and those will like sort of stick with me. And then like a couple other things that were going well, like sort of drop off. And it's kind of this like oscillating existence of like gradually getting better at nutrition, but some things like kind of maybe going to the wayside as you go. So what's like, you know, let's say I'm in the middle of whatever and I'm starting to notice like, man, it seems like I'm tired all the time. Like what are a few signs that you maybe need to like give your like be your own nutrition coach and like what are some signs that it's maybe time to like check in with yourself on your nutrition yeah I think that's such a good question because I know of course working with a nutritionist is not something that's available to everyone and certainly I think that there is a lot that you can do on your own but I think that moving away from the classic like DIY approach Mm -hmm. and into a classic more structured check-in could be so helpful so in terms of when it might be time if you're already thinking that question if you're like hmm I should check in yeah I think that's a good yeah reminder yeah okay that's a good point where your intuition's like wow it seems like checking in with my nutrition would be like helpful these days yeah and maybe your you know maybe your work schedule changed maybe you're eating out a lot more Maybe your training has transitioned into a new phase. Mm -hmm. You know, there are a lot of, I think, time points that would be helpful to check in. But ultimately, if you are sitting there going, hmm, I wonder, I've been doing X, Y, Z differently and I don't think that I'm recovering. I don't think that I'm getting enough. Let's do a little checkaroo and see what's happening. Sweet. Okay. So if you were going to like, you know, I'm sure you probably probably do this for yourself because you have years of skills to be able to kind of like self self coach your own nutrition but so when if you're like getting to a place in your nutrition where you're like wow like I probably need to like check in on some things just to see where we're at based on how I'm feeling yada yada like what what are some good steps to take to check in with yourself and with your nutrition so I think there are probably a couple questions that you could ask yourself because I mean, certainly there's more than just this, but even to understand if you want to do a quick Mm check-in, there's kind of two approaches. You could do the the approach of like, okay, I'm going to see what else I could be doing to support myself Mm -hmm. and I can go through some questions and then maybe then you also track or journal your food for a bit. So what I what I do want to say too before I, I talk about maybe some of the questions that I think would be helpful I just want to say that checking in with your nutrition and acknowledging where you currently are is a big thing too mm-hmm. so when you check in where you are now you honor what's best for you in this time point mm-hmm. snapshot maybe it's a month or a couple months but there's there's really no race or rule that says that you have to be at a certain point each week, month, or year. But I think that meeting yourself where you are now is a really important way to then ask yourself meaningful questions that that can actually help you. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. Like sometimes you're just going to have more time available for training, nutrition, whatever. So trying to 
do what your 11 out of 10 best self was able to do yeah. when you had more time on your hands might not be yeah. where you can or will get to if you are in a different stage of life where you just don't have that time availability. So well, be think, real about it. Yeah. Think about it this way. Your best when you're sick versus when you're healthy different. is very different. Like, yeah. So your best, if you're like somehow working two jobs or something, or you have a really busy schedule for whatever reason, is going to look very different than your best when you have a more relaxed schedule. So, yeah. Well, let me tell you a couple of questions that I really like for myself. And I also will ask a variation of these for mm-hmm. clients because I think that the best thing we can do is really just like have a, have a moment with ourselves mm-hmm. and be like, hey, what do you need self? And I think it's a good way to get honest with yourself to build that awareness. But number one, which foods or meals do I enjoy making consistently? Ooh, that's a really good one. I Mm. feel like that's something we've talked about. Yeah. And it's like, okay, snacks, foods, what can I have in my pantry, my fridge, my freezer that I can throw together and I enjoy them. Yep. Things that are easy to put together that are, yeah, that makes a ton of sense. And that, again, going to look different depending on where life is right now. Totally. All right. What's another good question you like to ask people? Another one is how can I prepare food or snacks ahead of time Mm. for my future self? I love that it's how and not can I do it? I'm sure that if you've ever asked someone, is there a way for you to prepare food ahead of time? People will be like, no. No. Or yes, but. Yep. It's always a but. But only if it's HelloFresh and my other half actually does all of it for me. Michael is HelloFresh. Let's be real. Yeah, just kidding. He would never. He's Blue Apron. I think he'd be mad if I said HelloFresh. He he would be mad about either of these things, honestly. If I ever. This would actually be. This would be such a good, like, TikTok stupid video where it's. (laughs) Me asking my other half about ordering a HelloFresh box, his reaction would be visceral. I think he would actually explode. <laughs> It'd be fine to do it. Maybe we should I'm do that so today. Glad he doesn't always listen. Let's to walk episodes. in. And I'm just gonna say, oh, I actually ordered. I ordered HelloFresh for the whole, and he he'd be. He'll light you up. Oh my god! <laughs> I should like record. And put my phone Please, in my can pocket. we do this later? It's snowy out. I'm ready for some entertainment. Turn my, on that Michael TV. Michael is a wonderful, wonderful man that cooks all the time, and he loves cooking. And the idea His cooking of someone is ten out of ten pre-figuring out cooking for him would be just repulsive to him. Yeah, he's so like Rachel is, Ray. No. Yeah, he. Yep, he's very particular about cooking, and it's great. But yes, me ordering a HelloFresh box, we would find that very insulting. So anyways, yes, but but I back to what we were talking about. <laughs> the how, how can you prepare? Yeah. Because this can he honestly even be, this doesn't have to be meal prepping. If you're sitting there like, oh, Caitlin's making me prep food on Sundays for eight hours. I didn't want to cook for eight hours yeah today. nobody no. has time for that so, well i mean maybe you do i am not one of those people so i mean if you have kudos. four crock pots maybe yeah that's a lot of smells though <laughs> man a lot of crock pots to store but you could cook four meals at a time without doing that much if you did have four crock pots that's accurate or you could have an instant pot which is arguably possibly yeah, four better. instant pots four instant pots one of the star wars ones maybe all of them who yeah. am i to judge but yes 
Anyway, if you can prepare things ahead of time, this could even be maybe you get all your snacks ready. Maybe you cook a big batch of rice or a bunch of protein that you then freeze Mm -hmm. or put in the fridge, you know, in, in certain portions. But how can you really prepare those items ahead of time so that future you when inevitably you get really busy can just be like okay here we go grab and go yeah I think that's so important pretty much every time I go to the grocery store now I have a couple of frozen meals that just work really well in a pinch that taste good and they are available and it's so much better to just eat something convenient that's frozen and be able to do that instead of starving and not being able to think and doing all these things so I think just yeah, I think we've talked about we talk about this so much, but just like a little preparation goes a long what, way. What small things can you do to just make your life a little bit easier and a little more prepared um, will be hugely helpful. Yeah. Well, this goes into my third question, actually. Mm. You mentioned the grocery store. So I was like, oh, it's like your mind reader. Oh, yes. Yes. Third question. When can I consistently plan my grocery list and go food shopping every week? These are two separate actions. Two separate. Totally. So for me, I'll give an example. Sunday morning, I will sit down with my other half and we will plan what we want for food. So we'll write our grocery list for the week. This includes all of our breakfast staples, lunch items, dinners, and snacks. And then we create this list and then we go food shopping for the week with this list. And this is every Sunday we do this. Yeah. Mike and I will actually divide. We do treat it like a separate task. Like I will go to the grocery store if you decide what we're doing and like make the a list or we will have a grocery meeting. See, I'm codependent, so I do. I can't do this alone. See, I will, but I won't. Mike and I get really bad decision <laughs> fatigue sometimes. So at the end of the day, we're just look at each other, and I'm like, I can't make any more decisions. And Mike will be all, I also can't make any more decisions. And then we'll be all, looks like we're starving. And then we'll just play chicken until someone comes up with a dinner idea. Well, <laughs> <But it's laughs> if left to my own devices, I will buy so many snacks lauren literally watched me do this the other day where i walked around the whole foods twice like two times oh my god two full laps yeah two full laps where i was not the right sweet thing and then we'll go to like all the different aisles and she'll be like okay this is the right sweet thing and i was like okay but then it wasn't because i put it back and got something else so that one changes snack choices like i change outfits before we go places (laughs) it's just i did watch that this morning so so. yeah anyway i'm out of control (laughs) no i want to be more comfy it's ridiculous we all have our things (laughs) (laughs) but then if if my husband is left to his own devices he will get all of the delicious fancy beers and the budget is exclusively beers for the week which this sounds like a this is a new mexico problem because in utah (laughs) you have to make a special trip to the liquor store for the tasty beers so nope not not in new mexico check our alcohol episode yes yeah (laughs) hashtag alcohol episode yep very informative but i definitely think that having those time periods Mm. in the week when you just know like yep this is what we're doing and and that's when you can consistently go it'll be an easier strategy than being like oh when was the last time we grocery shopped oh i don't know maybe a year ago Eh, we'll see that's a really i really like this like practical part of the check-in where it just is sort of what habits or what things are we doing right now that are working and what could use a little bit of a tune-up to just make because I think we all know 
if you plan a little bit better, odds are what you're eating is going to be better. And that's how it works. So I think this Mm -hmm. like practical portion of the self check-in is really important in terms of the sort of more tracking your food check-in side of things just to see what's going on. Like what are some things that you recommend people track and look at? And then, yeah, what do you kind of recommend in terms of either journaling or tracking stuff? Like what are the big ticket items where you're like, look at this and this and this sort of thing? Yeah, I think with tracking, I will say just to preface this, of course, it's not for everybody, but I think there are a lot of strategies to tracking. You can use an app if you really want to, or you can just write it down on a piece of paper just to kind of roughly see like, okay, what's your whole day look like? But for me personally, I will track food and this could be what I'm eating just because I want to see you know, it has my day. Let me give an example of last, uh, when I arrived, I had a burrito, then I ate Chick-fil-A and then I had pizza. And I was like, well, kind of wish I'd had a salad in there. And you had a salad with a Chick-fil-A. I watched it. Oh yeah, that's right. Okay. The so see if I, if I had checked in and good thing I just, <laughs> Lauren was my tracker last week. Um, yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, Caitlin got a salad, but I don't feel like spending $6 on a tiny four, bucket of lettuce. Four so dollars, a delicious kale. Okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I definitely think that it's, it's helpful to get that, you know, kind of like high level view on the diet. But also I really like to look at calories and it's because I am in the habit of not eating enough and I think a lot of people are in this habit too. So yeah. remember, we're talking to athletic populations yes. here. So just always remember that this on this podcast. Yeah, there there's so much nuance here. It's wild. You get stuck in nuance neverland and you'll never get out. But anyway, I think it's really important to remember just if you know roughly what your day-to-day looks like and that's what you're tracking, you can get a better understanding of like, okay, am I eating enough? Could I change some things? what can I add? You know, how can I add variety? Or maybe there's like some minor shift I can make. And I think that brings awareness. I'll also check again, those meals, kind of like what, what's in my meals to see, oh yeah, I had that, this one dinner, maybe I could add another vegetable to it. If I, you know, if I don't have any later in the day, it's just, you know, literal food for thought. I also like to track digestion, bowel movements, because that's all very important. And I'll check any symptoms associated with my mood, bloat, maybe cycle timing. Um, if you do, if you are a person who menstruates, um, that's helpful. And then I also will track sleep too, because I'm curious to know how my training or well, that's another thing to track how how my training though impacts sleep how my food impacts all of the above so I like to keep a very holistic approach yeah so if you're trying to maybe if you're giving yourself a three or four day you know you're going to track three or four days of what you're doing you kind of sounds like you can you can probably pick and choose from a couple of these things but it seems like write down what food you're eating maybe write down how much sleep you got. And then if you're having training sessions, I would say, how did you feel around those? Yeah. And then maybe just bowel movements or any other miscellaneous things that you think are like important to look at. And then probably if you just take your own notes and 
I'm just a really big pen and paper person because sometimes it feels like apps don't always perfectly match exactly what you need. And then I just am all, I don't want another thing on my phone. And then you got to give them your email and then they charge you and you forget to cancel the thing and blah, blah, blah. So anyways, personal story. But anyways, so I think if you just track these few things and even if you only pick and choose a few of them, like these can be very illuminating if you're just going to do a quick like three to seven days what do you think is like enough days of tracking like this robustly because i think a a lot of people might go this sounds like a lot of information yeah you track of (laughs) i think like you said lauren like if you're gonna do some robust tracking i think three days is sufficient yeah i usually will do no more than a week uh, but what you can focus on is two weekdays and one weekend day just oh, to get that. a nice yeah, picture because there's really no, I don't, there's no set of rules. It's like you have to track for a week to know for sure because I don't know about you, but my weeks, they're Su- super different. Yeah. Generally different. I mean, a lot of the same things happen, but kind of not really either. It's just it, like s- some of the stuff stays pretty standard, but for the most part, my foods do change somewhat. So it's helpful just to do you know, snapshot, see where you're at, see what else you can do. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. That seems to, wow, Caitlin's fired. You guys can all just do this <laughs> yourselves now. Okay. But just to kind of yep. wrap up, wrap up the nutrition piece of this before we go to a break. So net net, if you're trying to figure out, do I need to check in on my nutrition? What's going on? If you start feeling that you want to check in on your nutrition that probably means it's time if you just start noticing you're tired or just any other major life shifts whether that's intrinsic or external um, that's probably a good time to go ahead and check in on yourself and then we gave you a few a few questions Caitlin I feel like we can make some kind of nice handout to put in the show notes that just takes these questions that you can ask yourself but then kind of give yourself that practical check-in of going to how are we going to the grocery store is there anything that you could use a tune-up on the food logistics side of life yeah and and then give yourself that kind of few days to track what's going on with your training sleep digestion and what you're eating and through all of that you'll probably learn so much that you can adjust for yourself and tune up I can't imagine you doing all that and not noticing some patterns and identifying things that you could do better. Yeah, that's a great idea. We'll definitely put something together. Yeah, we'll do that. Okay, so check that out in your show notes. Also, Josh, write that down so we don't forget. All right, Josh <laughs> just gave me two double pointy fingers. He's writing it down. It's and great. some thumbs up. But Excellent. Lauren, I'm kind of ready for a break. Yeah, How about I think you? I think it's time. It is time for a break. Now, while while Caitlin and I are now seasoned professionals, um, we are still human beings that make make mistakes. So, so sure in today's do. today's break, we're gonna tell you a little bit about some of the worst mistakes we have made while uh, DIYing our training and nutrition. So. I feel like we both looked at each other like, you're going to hate what I did. <laughs> so yeah, I'm excited I'm to your tell, tell Caitlin what my grandest nutrition mistake was. Um, but yeah, should I start? Yeah, I actually am really curious because I think it might not be as bad as you think. No, it's bad. You're going to hate it. Okay. Okay. So yes, there was a time where I wanted to experiment 
with the keto diet. Nope. <laughs> Already buzzering you. <laughs> and I was like, she's going to hate it. <laughs> um, it is extra. Fu- so this was before I became a coach. It is extra funny in that it was compounded with the fact that I was entering a very difficult power endurance training cycle where I was training power endurance, you know, as the icing on the cake before a season at the Red River Gorge. Literally my hardest sessions that were very challenging that a fat metabolism makes literally no sense for these sessions. <laughs> and yep. I was following the keto diet. And to compound that, um, at the time I had realized that dairy did not feel good on my stomach eating a lot of cheese did not feel good on my stomach. And I also thought I was allergic to avocados for unrelated reasons. So my Mm. things I could eat were nuts and sometimes cheese and, and olive oil. And it did get to the point one day where I realized I had had 1100 calories by the end of the day. And I shit you not, I had multiple tablespoons of olive oil before I went to bed so that I could increase my my caloric intake. I also think I was Italian in a past life. So I did like drinking olive oil. I will admit that. But yeah, it was, you feel free to just rip, rip on me a little bit, but, or just, just talk about, just maybe bullet point out like (laughs) why it wasn't great. (laughs) Yeah. Bad. No good. (laughs) Yikes. Uh, no, but aside (laughs) from that, it, it's okay. Sometimes I think we need to try the diet before we actually assume that it's not going to work. Um, I did stick to it for three weeks and then I, I did figure it out on my own that this was not doing not, it. Not for you, for sure. I think learning what doesn't work is half the battle and certainly with keto i mean i've i've read these horrible articles that are just so misguided where it's like vegan keto i'm like no what do you eat what Literally, do you eat on a ve- nuts i don't and oil nuts oil fruits vegetables i mean it's just not a good vibe it's it's bad so i'm i'm deeply disturbed by that but it you know it is what it is you tried it and you learned very quickly like hey this isn't going to support me and my training goals and i think that's actually a a good thing like out of the diy approach you you learned okay self checking in doesn't work so that's not it's not a bad thing to learn like it was a mistake but i learned from it and i also quickly realized that it was just incredibly inconvenient to try to eat like this too so yeah yeah. All around, good thing to learn. Well, yep. are you ready to hear my yep. worst I'm mistake? I'm excited. What'd you do? So let's rewind to when I started grad school and decided that for some reason I was also going to project my highest V-point grade ever. When starting grad school? When starting grad school. Okay. So let's hear it. I decided to try the same thing that I had been doing, which was training almost daily, also running and swimming and biking. And I'd get to the weekend and pull on my projects and have zero energy to even do the first moves. And I was like, oh, that's weird. I'm doing so much. I should be crushing it right now. So let's rip. Yeah. Whoa. Okay. Well, first of all, I'm genuinely surprised that you had time for all this. I didn't. Okay. Yeah. And also, (laughs) did you like, when did you sleep or? 
Um, it was a mashup of Nap. hysteria, um, just insomnia, panic, general, you know, eyebrows falling out doesn't sound that wild now. So Wait, is that when your eyebrows fell out? It was shortly after that. Yes. Whoa. So stress. Holy Maybe shit. it's because I had mono. I don't know. What? For the third time. Anyway, that's what? an aside. Uh, yeah, stress is no joke. Yeah. But I definitely felt like I was doing too much. And I it wasn't even that I was ever sore. I, I just didn't have any energy to give it 100% to anything. Yeah. And, and did you start your training while you were trying to send it? Yes. <laughs> Caitlin, <laughs> we've all learned. It's Also, this is, I know we've done like the little nutrition, like whatever trades these, but I've made plenty of hilarious training mistakes and I'm sure Caitlin has made her own. Oh, why do you think I became a nutritionist? <laughs> like, well, if I, I did all the shit first. <laughs> like, can't let anyone else do this. But yeah, okay. I'll break down a little bit about things that maybe weren't the best about that. We have, wow, we both had some like glaring uh, shenanigans in this our This is past. why we need each other. <laughs> I know, exactly. Also, I will keep making mistakes because I'm a human being. But yeah. Okay, so things, a few things. Obviously, trying to start training while you're trying to send like body doesn't really work like that. Bad. We got to build the adaptations before we want to be able to use them. And that usually takes you know, six to 12 or more weeks for to build build up anything meaningful that would be showing up on our project. Um, another thing is that I bet if I had to just guess that you were really stressed out by grad school and moving your body was a form of stress relief. And even though that was helpful, doing it, doing something active every day and doing a lot of that also probably just elevated your cortisol levels like a lot and maybe didn't actually even give you the full stress relief effect you were looking for. And then it becomes more stressful because when you get on your project and you're doing all this stuff and you're like, I'm doing everything, blah, blah, blah. And you get on your project and you're not seeing progress and it feels terrible. It's really discouraging. Yeah. So what you really probably needed was to start training before I think you can be in a stressful period of life and still put in a good effort on projects. So this is not to say that your life has to be perfect and blah, blah, blah to go in on a rock climb, but you have to recognize that the stress of life is, it is something that will impact your ability to make training gains. But yeah, I think you know what you did. Also, you got to take rest <laughs> yeah. before you get on your project. I, I do. Yeah, it is it is a shameful time period for sure. But you live and learn and yep. you hire a coach in my scenario yep. or you trade. Yeah, I mean, when I first started climbing, I tried to follow like my first climbing training plan. And some girls every other day hit workout no. thing, which was just 40 minutes of high, like, really high intensity cardio strength work. Uh, mismatch for lack of a better inf word like influencer workouts like i was doing that while following a training plan and then i was just doing the hit workouts on what were supposed to be my rest days and then i just didn't rest and it was mm. a nightmare and i was dumb and i was 19 and i was like rest is for old people <laughs> and i was stupid so yeah we Everybody makes mistakes. I literally was just going to say, insert mistakes. Hannah Montana. Yeah. Nobody's wow. perfect. Wow, that should be the here. outro for this segment. Absolutely. Yeah. What okay, a job. Josh, write that one down too. And then probably in the when you're, you know, it's going to play after this. Everybody makes mistakes. Yeah. Well, should we get back to the show? 
I think we should at this point. Sweet. <laughs> All right. And we're going back. Okay, so getting back into the nitty gritty, I started to kind of think about, okay, I have a lot of training questions for Lauren, but I had to laugh at my phone because, you know, apps kind of are annoying. And so while we're in the process of talking about checking in, I literally get a notification from my mental health app that says, are you ready to get in touch with yourself? It's time for your daily check-in. And I have never been more creeped out in my life. So like, whoa, is it, is this like a normal notification or is this new? This is new. And a normal one I also just got was from my cycle tracking app. (laughs) It says anything to update us on today? Check in. I'm like, please stop. Dude, the future is now. And it's just (laughs) as weird as the sci-fi movies from 20 years ago (laughs) made it out to be. Little devices that tell you when to eat and little devices that tell you when When to period. Yeah. Anyway. (laughs) Okay. So Lauren, I have a lot of questions for you because I think checking in is something that I am not very good at. And I also realize that literally without you holding me accountable, not to say that other people can't do this. I'm just not one of them. I'm irresponsible. (laughs) So when it came to my training, I took four months off and I called it a maintenance phase. But in actuality, it's like a good rebrand of what you did. (laughs) It's like nice. (laughs) I was like, I'm training. (laughs) Doing something. But I really actually want to know if you have a few strategies that I could have embraced during this time frame, time frame to really evaluate and understand, like, is there, is there something else I can be doing? You know, where am I at right now with my training, my goals? Yeah. Do you have a, a starting point, something that you would recommend to just anybody who wants to check in occasionally no first of all you're super not alone and as someone that literally writes training plans for a living I have a very hard time writing my own training plans I get and holding myself accountable it used to be something fun that I would do on the side but now it's my job and I have a rough time doing it so I have I have a coach myself because otherwise things would not happen I see you and I feel you yes so that being said I have totally been in the position where life starts happening and then training and even just going climbing for fun almost stops happening too Mm -hmm. just because you know like stuff happens and it just becomes a hassle and blah 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 so which is a bummer when that happens but you know life is is what it is and that'll do so something that I think is really something that was super eye-opening to me um and I kind of like learned my lesson with this that oh like I will actually take care of maintenance from now on And honestly, that's knowing some numbers about Mm. yourself as you go through your training. As much as, you know, climbing super motivational and we can have all these aspirations. If you're in a phase of life where it just seems like getting to the gym or making yourself train or making yourself stay on top of something that's going to be helpful for you long term as an athlete feels really hard. It is a rude fucking awakening to have not done shit for two months in terms of training um, and then go check in on your numbers and then go, wow, if I would have just done anything for 30 to 60 minutes a week, I maybe wouldn't have to like dig myself out of this hole that I've now created by not doing anything. So that's kind of 
tough love but really it's very easy to go okay not on a training plan anymore not climbing outside anymore cool I just won't do anything and then you can lose some of what you've worked super hard to gain and then have to spend the first six weeks of your next training block building it back up again and that sucks so I think something that can be super helpful is having an assessment that you go back to maybe once every six months or if you find yourself getting pretty unmotivated and you're like oh I really need kind of a kick in the ass to myself checking in on your numbers is going to be pretty motivational and obviously there's more to climbing than your numbers but if you want something that'll really wake you up this is it Um, and I do have a there's a great resource for everyone that I definitely wanted to bring up in this episode so I can kind of dig into that now if you think it's the time yeah I think assessments because what just came to mind for me was like okay I hear you saying it but what is that (laughs) That is a great question. So the assessment that I really like to use with my athletes, um, and I'm going to go ahead and shout out Chris, Chris and all the good people over at the Power Company podcast, because Chris has graciously made his entire data set available online. Um, and we'll link yep. to that in the show notes, but it's freaking awesome. And it's granted, amazing, actually. it's really great. There's over like hundreds of athletes profiles have gone into this data set. So it's a really great thing to use. But anyways, it's a three-part assessment that you can use to check in on finger strength, forearm endurance, pulling power, you know, and there's a lot of other ways that you can assess and different assessment methods. But big things that you want to check in on, I would say that are climbing specific, they're going to be your pulling strength. Um, You can test individual arms or both arms into, you know, both arms at once via a pull-up or something. I'm not going to get into it. One limb at a time. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'm not going to get into all the details of it because you should just go look at the assessment and then do it and then submit your data so you can contribute to the body of assessments and make the data set even more robust and awesome. But yes, I think this is a great assessment to use. Find something though, but the big things I think you want to look at are your finger strength, your pulling strength, and then you're probably going to want to look do some kind of endurance testing as well. Um, and that could look different depending on what you're doing. There's lots of ways to go about this. But yes, I will link to that so you can look at it. But you want to just kind of test like physically where you are at. And then over the years, you're going to start having, you're going to start seeing a pattern where it's, you know, okay, when I don't train, I can come back to this level of fitness and this level of strength. And then you hopefully see that that baseline kind of grow up as the years go on because everything's going to fluctuate throughout. But if you're really looking for something to get you motivated to kind of get back in the saddle or, you know, that's kind of a self-coaching thing too. If you know that self-motivation is difficult, that could be something that's very tangible that will kind of motivate you to kind of go, okay, doing a little bit of work to keep my fingers strength and pulling strength and power up um, when I'm just not feeling like training is going to be massively helpful. So do you think that, well, I'll back up. So I've only done this assessment before and after 12 week blocks with you. Yeah. Do you think that there's an ideal time with people who aren't working with a trainer or mm-hmm. coach is there a, a time frame that you'd recommend or is it a little bit more haphazard than that I would say at this point for me I I'm kind of in a place where I do I check in on my numbers about twice a year oh, um, and maybe okay. I'll do like cool. little bonus so the full assessment's three days and it's kind of a whole thing so I'll do like little check-ins for example after I was in basically I would say look at what you're doing and if there's been a massive shift in what's going on those will be interesting things to look at so let's say for example I was in 
Lander, Wyoming for about a month last year. And after the trip, I was really interested to see where my metrics landed after being, mm. being, being in Lander, right? So I, you know, got finished. I didn't send my project, but I, w- I was thinking, you know, I feel really strong and powerful right now. And I'm super curious where my strength has landed after not I really training for six weeks. I validate it with numbers. <laughs> yes. So then I tested a lot of metrics while I was there as one of the last days of my trip. Just be a shout out, climb strong. Your gym was really nice for testing things. Thanks, Steve. But it was great. So I went, went in there and I just tested some numbers. So I tested my max weighted pull up, my you know, max, max hang on a 20 millimeter edge. I just did some basic strength and power testing essentially. And that was really illuminating for me because in certain places where I go climbing outside for a while and I don't really train in the gym, certain, certain metrics will drop off substantially. And it's good to know that. But then in Lander, I think I can see like, oh, well my metrics certainly didn't drop off. So it's good to have these these data points throughout you don't have to go crazy and you don't have to read too much into it but it's just good to get like gradually collect data so I would say if you're doing it every two months and you're obsessing that's probably too much but every three to six months around training cycles or performance phases where you're going outside a lot and not training very much will provide you with some interesting data points that you can use later on in your climbing career so cool I yeah I definitely think assessments are such a great way to just check in it's like okay check in with your diet and then also assess it's yeah like just get some measurable around. stuff so yeah. that it's not just you and you might even be saying to yourself too before you even get these numbers oh I feel so weak like totally had athletes say this to me I'm really nervous to check my numbers I feel like I'm gonna be super weak like yada yada and I've done this to myself too thinking oh I haven't trained in a really long time I bet my numbers are gonna suck like I'm really nervous or whatever and then I check in the nervous feelings were completely unfounded by the actual numbers. So it can save a lot of just needless limiting belief, anxiety yeah. stuff going on to just have the numbers and go from there. Well, something, I guess, tangential to this, but still on the same vein, I know you and I have talked a lot about some resources that are potentially helpful. I know you mentioned, like, of course, the power companies assessments are great but do you have any other resources that you've used and recommended to help your clients coach themselves better Ooh, okay I feel like there's there's two things I want to talk about so I got some books that I really like that I highly recommend people read um but I also think that evaluating the technique side of what you're doing oh. is pretty important and I think I can give everyone a few sort of pointers on how to take a look at your technique and kind of self-coach yourself from that direction. So shall we, shall we start there? And yeah. So you're saying, okay, you have your assessment, but then you can also kind of assess your technique as like a separate step. As separate. Yes. Because climbing is a strength and skill sport. So we want to look at it all. Right. And I really think a lot of us, especially if you don't make a habit of this, a lot of y'all listening, I bet you have no fucking clue what you look like when you rock climb right yep like no idea like you know what people say about you when you climb maybe you have a close friend that'll give you feedback but you've never seen it you don't know what it looks like alternative to that you've seen yourself climb and the only thing that you look at is oh man my pants looked stupid in that video yeah that's not technique that's not yeah yeah exactly so or you've seen you've watched your one send video where everything looks real good because you have it dialed and that's the only 
climbing video you're willing to watch. Well, if this is you, um, a great place to start with coaching yourself and just taking stock of maybe what needs to go on is take some videos of yourself climbing stuff and get a variety. Get things that you're not good at, things that you're projecting, things you look good on. Like it doesn't have to be crazy. You can literally do this in a day at the gym and just kind of collect some video and look at what's going on. And I bet without having to be a technical genius of movement mastery that you can examine some habits or things you do in your movement that just seem like they need work. Um, and I think that's going to be a really illuminating step. It's going to be scary, um, especially if you're not used to filming yourself, because I remember when I first, my business coach basically told me, she was like, well, if you won't film yourself climbing and show other people you climbing, how can you expect your athletes to want to send you videos of them climbing? And I was like, well, call me out, Chelsea. (laughs) So anyways, so yeah, I totally respect that it can be a little bit intimidating to film yourself at the gym. I mean, you don't have to go full tripod with it either. Um, One of my favorite things to do is just lean my lean my phone against my water bottle or shoe video or shoe video. So there's really easy ways to do it or have a trusted friend take a couple of videos. You don't have to go crazy, but just doing that will help you see, oh, it looks like my footwork is sometimes sloppy or it looks like my feet cut a lot when I'm climbing overhangs. And then with, you know, with that, with a quick Google search, you can likely find some movement drills that will address these gaps. Like if you can look at videos of yourself and just give three bullet points of movement habits that you would like to turn into movement efficiencies, that's going to be massive. And I don't think you need, you probably don't need a fancy coach to help you with that. Honestly, I was going to say, if you get better at evaluating your own technique, then if you do go and work with a coach, you can say, Hey, these are my weaknesses. I have videos that I've evaluated already and I know that that's something I would like help on. What can I do to get better at that? And a good coach is absolutely going to listen to you and be like, oh, you've noticed this on video and in your own body and how you climb. And maybe something you're perceiving about it isn't exactly what you need to work on, but just taking notice of that is going to be huge. Yeah. And then when you do go to work with a coach, if you do, having that information already is going to be extremely helpful um, because a good coach is going to listen to your personal observations because you live with you all the time and you probably have an inkling and you're with your friends like your friends probably everyone has a friend that always has something to say and some of your friends might not be right but if you have a trusted climbing partner that's that knows how you climb and has climbed with you a lot I bet they have observations that will help you so if you're open to getting that feedback from someone that seems like they climb with you a lot and you value their opinion that might be a good place to start as well with things to work on with your technique. And in my experience, if you do go to your coach with what am I doing wrong? They're going to go, what do you think you're doing wrong? (laughs) And then you're in the back, same fucking position. Yeah, that's kind of me. But I also am pretty big on making people figure things out for themselves (laughs) because I want you to be self-sufficient. You know, I am going to help you, but I also want you to think. You learn and you do. Yes. So I think those are some... That's like a great place to start when it comes to evaluating your own technique. And it's also going to be really huge. I'm it's been okay. Just not to just keep talking about our group program breakthrough, but we're in the middle of it now and I'm just having so much fun, but it's been so cool. So now we're in about what we're we're in week six. Mm -hmm. So we're about halfway through now. And at the start of the program, um, you know, people would put videos in our video feedback channel where we, you know, I look at videos of athletes climbing on things and then I give them feedback. Video feedback channel. Weird. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> can't believe I just explained that to you. Okay. But so at the beginning, they would kind of post videos and say, hey, what am I doing wrong? Or 
And now we're getting towards the middle. And it's super cool because instead of doing that and not in an annoying way, but everyone's posting, hey, I feel like my hip is doing this weird thing. Or I noticed in the... they'll take multiple videos of attempts on problems and go in my first attempt where I stuck the move, this is what was happening. And then I'm looking at this other video where I didn't stick it. And I noticed this difference and I'm like, good job. You just coached yourself, but like, it's awesome. (laughs) So I think you get better at looking at videos of yourself climbing and identifying these issues. And it's massively helpful for you to be able to do that inside, outside. You're just going to learn so much more from getting multiple forms of feedback that you can review so you will get better at it as you go is what I'm saying if you're if you're nervous about videos and you don't actually think it's going to help yeah I I think the assessment and evaluating it's such a skill but I think that's you know something that if you can develop that without a coach and even if it's you know you're taking a break from coaching or you are going to wait to try it or maybe you never do have a coach but this is such a valuable way to really check in with your training and evaluating where maybe your weaknesses or your strengths are and really understanding a lot more about yourself as an athlete yep exactly and I think that this kind of leads me into my next thing so both of both of these uh things that I mentioned whether where it's the assessment and looking at your technique are kind of if you're about to start a training plan or you want to start training or you want to start making adjustments, these are a good place to start and kind of take stock of where you're at. And then the actually writing of the training plan or selecting a plan that makes sense for you is kind of a whole other step that's going to need to be informed by your goals and what you know about yourself. So that's a huge topic. Obviously, we will talk about that here on this podcast, but there are some, some of my favorite books that I think every climber should read that will tell you a little bit more about these the details of programming and the nitty-gritty I really love the logical progression books by Steve Bechtel um there's a, an, a first and second edition honestly read both they're great I'm a huge fan of those I also love nine out of ten climbers make the same mistakes by Dave McLeod I love that book. it's a great one and that one's a little bit less dense like it's a more high level um overview quick read yeah quick read and then there's also the hard truth by Chris Hampton which yeah. is a blast it's funny (laughs) yeah it's really good and it also offers tons of actionable tips and again a high level overview and it's also kind of a good you know good motivational kick in the ass for you to uh get into so those are some of my favorite books if you're trying to dig more into the actual programming of everything once you kind of get these things um figured out so those are some of my favorites nice yeah resources are good yeah also also episode two the basics of climbing training. I think that's a great, great episode to start with too, honestly, before you even read any of these books, because it's going to give you a very (laughs) high level overview of things that you need to understand and some good background as you dive deeper. Okay. If these sit on your coffee table for a while and just look pretty. Yep. You can pick (laughs) them up, read a little as you go and learn as you go. So I think the, the last maybe two points we want to make here I think go hand in hand hand. with what with nutrition as well like Mm -hmm. because one of the things that I I often will mention to my athletes and certainly something that you and I have talked about together Lauren too is being realistic with the time that you actually have available and this could be for training for eating how you plan your foods Mm -hmm. like kind of all these things come together so yeah thoughts on that yeah I would say just the biggest thing the biggest mistake I see with athletes writing their own training plans or trying to do their own stuff is they make it way too complicated yeah so just 
like I said, like I always say, make it simpler because your your body's going to adapt better if you're trying to make it adapt to less exercises. Like a, a, a very specific sample is, is like people that will pick like 12 exercises that they're putting into their strength session. Reel it in. Just anything that you can do to go, how can we make this just a little simpler? Definitely do that. Yeah, And rewind. then if you have the space <laughs> and you really feel like you need to make it more complicated, you can. But I bet... When you start taking steps to do your training, you'll be really glad that you did the slightly simpler version of whatever you were planning. And if you need more information on this, episode one, Kiss, Keep It Simple Stupid, yes. is a very good detailed explanation of this. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't have to be overly complicated to be effective or successful or help you reach your goals. This goes for training, nutrition. Mm -hmm. It really, really doesn't have to be a hustle or the hardest thing no you've ever done more complicated does most i would say a mm -hmm. majority of the time more complicated does not equal better yeah i i would agree actually yeah very much so. so sweet well hopefully this was helpful and that you feel a little bit more armed and ready ready to be dangerous with your own self check-ins and self-assessments and hopefully you feel a little bit more prepared to coach yourself through your training and nutrition Thanks so much for listening in and until next time, keep it average. Caitlin here. We hope you now feel more confident in being your own best coach. Head to the link in the show notes for a free download to a three-day nutrition and lifestyle journal so you can start practicing your own nutrition. Use this as often as you'd like or when you need a quick review. And if a self-paced approach to nutrition is your cup of tea, I am proud to launch Empowered, an eight-week nutrition course on Friday, May 13th. Now I'll close out with our production credits and some announcements. If you're headed to Lander, Wyoming this summer, we've got two big announcements. First of all, Lauren and I will be hosting a clinic at the International Climbers Festival in Lander this year. We'll be combining training and nutrition to help you learn a lot and leave prepared to tackle your climbing and nutrition goals. You can sign up for our clinic by registering for the International Climbers Fest and choosing our clinic as a free bonus when you check out. Second of all, if you want to get specifically prepared for a trip to Lander this year, look no further than Pocket Power, Lauren's eight-week group program to get you trained up and ready to pull on those pockets. Pocket Power starts on June 6th, so tap the link in our show notes for more information. And finally, Empowered launches on May 13th, and until May 27th, you can get this course for $100 off. Check the show notes to find out how. If you're looking for one-on-one -on -one nutrition coaching, you can book a free 15-minute clarity call with me. Just tap the link in our show notes. Additionally, make sure to check out goodspraycliming.com for all of your training needs. From strength programs to bouldering to route climbing, Good Spray has you covered. The Average Climber podcast is hosted by me, Caitlin Holmes, and my co-host, Lauren Abernathy. You can find us on Instagram at The Average Climber Podcast for antics between episodes and updates on when new episodes are coming out. You can also find me on Instagram at Dirtbag Nutritionist and Lauren on her Instagram over at Good Spray Coaching. 
This show is produced by Josh Hafley with our favorite furry production assistant, Stubby the Corgi. The music for this episode was created by Devin Dabney of the American Climbing Project. Make sure to check out his podcast if you have not already. You'll laugh, you'll learn, and you will introspect. The Average Climber podcast is a part of the Plugtone Audio Collective. Head on over to PlugtoneAudio.com or at PlugtoneAudio on Instagram to learn more about the other great shows on this network. See you next time. Until then, keep it average. Average.